It's the first Prez Monday check-in. We'll have a chat, but not spill tea. Hey, it's the first Prez Monday check-in. We got the Bible and Greg and me. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the post-Palm Sunday pre-Easter edition of the Monday check-in. I'm Damon Jensen-Heitman, joined by... Greg Allen Pickett. You could have probably just said Holy Week edition. Well, I wanted to I wanted to set it up like a little quiz, you know, see if anybody could, uh, you know, think of the other name that we call that. Or we could pop quiz them right now and say, okay, if this is Holy Week, what services will we be doing this week that you will all be joining us either in person or on Facebook Live, right? Mm-hmm. And those services include? They can let us know in the comments, I guess. Yes. This will be a short uh, check-in. All right. Uh, <laughs> open with prayer. We'll close with prayer call it a day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about Maundy Thursday and Good Friday services. Oh, Damon, you told them. I thought we were going <laughs> to... I couldn't figure out how we were going to do the rest of the thing. Yeah, it was kind of limiting, wasn't it? I mean, so they knew, though. They uh, They knew... It's not a surprise. <clears throat> so uh, the Monday check-in, for those who may not know, typically... We would... the Maundy check-in. No, this is the Monday check-in. Right, correct. Not the Maundy check-in. Mm-hmm. Right. Maundy, of course, meaning... Commandments. Commandment Thursday. Commandment Thursday. This is the Monday. This is check-in Monday, which will be followed by Commandment Thursday. Mondi does sounds much better than commandment. It does. It's 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 a little softer. Yeah. So normally on the check-in, we would take a look at the scriptures that we're going to read for the upcoming Sunday. This week is a unique week in the life of the church. We have two midweek services, depending on how you count mid, but um on Thursday and Friday. So we're going to take a look at the scriptures for those um, instead of the scripture for Sunday. The scripture for Sunday, it's Easter. You, you know it. That's everybody. That's figured out. You can figure it out. That's fine. Um, so we're going to take a look at that instead. We're going to start with an opening prayer, however. And I'm going to read the prayer uh, from our Lenten devotional guide um, titled, What Shall We Take Up? A Lenten focus on Christian character. Uh, and this is the prayer that was uh, recommended for Sunday, April 10th, uh, the end of a week where we focused on humility for that week. Uh, and the prayer reads like this. Confess, to confess that you are Lord is also to confess that I am not. It means, among many things, that I understand that my wisdom is insufficient, my empathy is lacking, and my mercy is something short of all-encompassing. And so I turn to you, O God. In your holy name, wipe away my iniquity and expand my heart to be truly loving. Lead me, guide me, teach me your ways so that I may boast not in myself, but in you. Amen. 
Amen. Before any any lingering thoughts on humility, Greg, before we jump into into Maundy Thursday, Holy Friday, Good Friday. Um, the devotion that uh, was it you or Kylie that wrote the devotion for the week on humility? That was did you write the whole thing? Did Kylie write any of this? Okay, I kept crediting Kylie throughout the entirety of Lens. And you never corrected me. <laughs> well, it doesn't really matter. Well, that's, that's very kind of you. That's very humble of you, actually, Damon. Uh, speaking of humility. Mm -hmm. um, but no, I appreciated the, uh, the devotion part that you wrote about this. And um, something that I didn't touch on in my sermon was the humility demonstrated by those who were bowing down before Jesus, throwing their cloaks and the, the palms in the street. And that is an act of humility towards worshiping God um, and honoring Jesus. And, and I thought that was uh, meaningful. And you know, sort of raising the question of what acts of humility will we do to show that we are worshiping God and honoring Jesus. And in our day and age, it's unlikely that the Messiah will be riding through Hastings, Nebraska on the back of a donkey and we'll have the opportunity to take off our cloaks or to cut some branches from overhead trees, given that there's no leaves on those branches anyway. Um, and so what does that look like in our present day context? And I think there's opportunities for us to live that kind of uh, humility and servant love, um, uh, reenacting uh, that same thing, but in a, in a different way in our present context. So I, I appreciated that uh, portion of the devotion that was written by you. <laughs> yeah. I keep coming back to the connection between humility and obedience that Paul makes um, in that Corinthians text that to, and this connects with what you were saying as well, you know, to humble ourselves in such a way that it allows us to, to, or helps us to be obedient to God, right. And to the, to the will and to the commandments of God is that that sort of practice of, and this is what we do all during Lent to a certain extent, that practice of saying no to myself so that it becomes easier to say yes to God, um, which connects us right back to where Kylie started on the very first <laughs> Sunday of Lent. Um, that's a That's a humility sort of a thing to recognize that what I want, what I desire, my perspective is limited and faulty in some way and so i need to seek out this uh, this perspective of god and and be willing to to obey that so obey is not a word that we use a lot around here yeah with we i mean we used some words that aren't used as often uh you know obedience and discipline yeah. uh even perseverance, and then of course humility. I think those were four of the of the six values that we studied during the season of Lent, which yeah are not commonly used, um, yeah. but are important parts of what it means to uh, to walk with Christ, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we like calling, uh, we like following, um, we like being invited uh, to something obey is that feels a little uh, 
more strict or uh, prescriptive. Yeah, yeah. It do, it doesn't. It's a well. It's a commandment, obviously. Right. And, We're going to study those today too. It's it's an interesting thing though because um, yeah, it, it it's a balance. And this is part of how we talk about these things in that we want you to do it because of an honest motivation and an honest will to do it. And, and so we want to invite people in and have them make their own choice to be part of this, because if it's compulsory, then it doesn't feel um, like it's authentic. Right. And so that's, that's why we sort of walk these lines and use the language that we do is that we, you know, this is part of um, one of the things one of my seminary professors used to talk about a lot is that um, faith is not simply about fear and about buying fire insurance. But faith instead is accepting an invitation to love and to, uh, to live a life of hope. And if, if it's all about the really strict obey and um, repent and punishment, uh, and we're not also choosing the way of Jesus because we are attracted to a way of love and a way of hope, then, um, you know, it's, yeah, it's, there's tension built in there, right? Mm -hmm. there, it's complicated. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so speaking of, of commandments and obeying, and following uh, certain commandments. Thursday is coming, Maundy Thursday. Um, for those who don't know. Uh, now we have a Monday Thursday service and a Good Friday service. We don't have a Tenebrae service. Uh, which is uh, more slightly different, if I'm remembering correctly. Maundy Thursday puts an emphasis on this uh, commandment that Jesus gave to the disciples, uh, known as the double love command, right? Uh, and Tenebrae puts a focus on the meal. It's a Tenebrae service. It's a Tenebrae service. Greg will look it up. We'll all wait in silence and suspense. It says a church service observed during the final part of Holy Week commemorating the sufferings and death of Christ. So the Tenebrae, I think, focuses more on the passion oh, narrative, the sufferings and death, somewhat similar to our Good Friday service. Um, according to the United Methodist Church, the tenebrae is the Latin word meaning darkness. And uh, the service of tenebrae as practiced in most Protestant churches is an adaptation of the medieval Roman Catholic practices for each of the days of Holy Week. Dating back to the ninth century for Protestants, the single service is typically held at night on, on Monday, Thursday, or on Good Friday. For United Methodists and some other Protestants, the story of the suffering and death of Jesus from John's gospel is divided into 16 readings. After each segment of the story is read, a candle is extinguished 
After the 15th reading, which confirms that Jesus has died on the cross, the last of the 15 lit candles is extinguished or taken away, and a loud sound is made to convey the sense of the total loss of God's presence and the effect of the death of Jesus on the universe. Mm -hmm. The final story of the burial is read in near darkness. There is the United Methodist Church definition of a tenebrae service. (laughs) Well, there you go. So our Good Friday service honors that tradition. Similar. Yes. Contains some of those elements. So, but that's Good Friday. Uh, That's not Thursday. This is Thursday. A couple of scripture readings for Thursday. We got uh, a little bit from John chapter 13 here. Uh, Starting at verse three and kind of picking our way through John. Uh, and then something from 1 Corinthians. So, uh, but this is from, from the Gospel of John. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going to God, got up from the table, took off his outer robe, and tied a towel around himself. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with the towel that was tied around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered, you do not know what I am doing, but later you will understand. Peter said to him, you will never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, One who has bathed does not need to wash, except for the feet, but is entirely clean. And you are clean, though not all of you. For he knew who was to betray him. For this reason, he said, not all of you are clean. After he had washed their feet, he put on his robe and had returned to the table. He said to them, do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have set you an example that you, that you also should do as I have done to you. Very truly, I tell you, servants are not greater than their master, nor are messengers greater than the one who sent them. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. And then a little while he, later, he continued. Little children. I am with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and as, and as I said to the, to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment, that you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also should love, man, I, I butchered that. I'm going to start over at verse 34. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. That's more or less how that reads. <laughs> uh, and then from 1 Corinthians 11, verses 23 through 26. This is the Apostle Paul writing now. For I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you. That the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took also 
he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And that'll get us through Maundy Thursday. Is there a message at the Maundy Thursday service? I forget. Yeah, I usually give a short message at the Maundy Thursday service. Uh, working title for the message. I was just working on this bulletin before I jumped on to the Monday check-in with you. And so working title for the Monday Thursday message this year is what does love look like? I thought you were going to say what's love got to do with it. What's love got to do, got to do with it. What's love? I'm sure there's a pop song called what does love look like, but I'm not singing that. What's love but a secondhand emotion? Disagree. But that's, but that's not what you're... Not, not what you're. <laughs> so what uh, does love look like? What does love look like? It looks like these, these two acts of service and humility, right? Tying a towel around your waist, getting down on your knees and, and washing the feet of the people. And then... Um, instituting and, and repeating the act of the Lord's Supper as a sign and symbol of God's God's grace and God's love. Um, it's a relatively straightforward message. Um, it's kind of hard to mince. It's interesting that Paul decided to repeat and reenact the Lord's Supper and not repeat and reenact the washing of the feet. Yeah. But that's also like kind of tied up with like covenant theology, right? And he's he's trying to make a point about about the covenant and who, right. and who be included in the covenant and and who can't. And the washing of feet uh, doesn't really <laughs> fit into his mind as a sign and symbol of of who's who's part of the beloved community and, and who's not. Yeah. Though it was uh, considered to potentially be one of the sacraments of the church. Um, there were requirements for what qualified as a sacrament when the early church started developing the theology of sacraments. And one of those requirements, it was something that Jesus had to do, had to be instituted by Jesus um, and it had to be uh, something that he taught his disciples to do. And so that meets that definition of a sacrament. Um, but it wasn't picked up by the church. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, do you think because it makes people feel weird? I think that could have something to do with it. Though if least, we, I mean, culture has changed a lot, but if we really think about the words that we're uttering when we take communion, um, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood shed for you. Um, that that should make people feel kind of weird too. <laughs> kind of weird. Mm -hmm. I think is interesting about this about the washing of feet and 
about the the declaring of the washing of feet as this generous act of love is that you don't like you don't wash your feet once and then they're good for the rest of time right it's you have to i don't know if people know this or not you have to rewash your feet <laughs> uh and the same with a meal, actually, you know, even for the, even for the meal that they were like, you don't just eat once and then you're good. You don't just like serve someone a meal and then they're good for the rest of their lives. You have to eat again, um, which I think puts an interesting, like these are going to be continued actions right he he tells the disciples you need to wash each other's feet you're gonna have to keep doing this for each other continually you're gonna have to keep engaging in these acts of love over and over again that's just that's not like a one-time fix kind of a thing um which i think i'm writing this down because you've you've inspired some thoughts (laughs) in me for my sermon on monday thursday so well, we are making a recording of it. You could go back and, and re-listen to it if you wanted. <laughs> but I think that's that, true. Yeah. If I write it down in the manuscript <laughs> that I'm writing for my sermon, then I have the idea there so I can come back to it and yeah. expound upon it. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you, Damon. <laughs> well, I think that puts it puts like a little bit different emphasis on it and and a a little bit different way of thinking about our own lives as as followers of jesus like we're gonna have to keep redoing these acts of love like that's and and the and acts of service for one another that that's just the way of it so uh i don't know deal with it i guess (laughs) And, and we need to keep coming back to the table and receive uh, Holy Communion because we are in constant need of God's grace. Um, yeah. And yeah, I, I think that there's, I think you're onto something there. Yeah. And so both the, the offering and the receiving are, are continual acts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. For those, I've been in this church now just over five years. So I've been through, this is my sixth, uh, Holy Week and Sixth Easter that I'll be preaching. Um, and for those who have paid attention for the last uh, six cycles of this, this story of Monday Thursday and Jesus getting down and washing his disciples' feet is uh, perhaps one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Um, and it's something that inspires me on a daily basis in my own faith um, and what it looks like to love people and serve people, my family, my church, my community. Um, I've told a number of stories at Monday Thursday services um, about the physical act of, of either having my feet washed or of washing and caring for the feet of others. And um, yeah, it's, uh, I think it's just a very, very powerful visceral image. As Damon said, it makes a lot of us uncomfortable. Um, touching feet is not something that a lot of people like to do. Touching some people don't even like touching their own feet and touching other people's feet. And then also letting other people touch your feet um, are all things that I think make us viscerally uncomfortable. And I'm curious how much of that is cultural 
and how much of that is just human? Like, how awkward was it for the disciples to have Jesus get down and wash their feet versus how awkward is it going to be on Thursday when Damon, and when either I wash Damon's feet or Damon washes my, we end up having, almost inevitably end up having to wash, one of us has to wash the other one's feet because it's just the way the line works. Um, so so those who are listening, we, we do an optional foot washing ritual at the Monday Thursday service. Uh, you don't have to do it. You can come to the service and take communion uh, or not uh, and have your feet washed or not and just be present. But um, somehow the way those lines work out, inevitably one of us ends up washing the other's feet. Um, I've become comfortable with that. Um, at least with Damon washing my feet and washing Damon's feet. <laughs> I don't know that I'd want to do it after we played pickleball, but... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's... Um, it, I think a lot of it for us is cultural. Um, and it seems to cause some discomfort with the disciples, but the discomfort doesn't seem to be like based on like a, like a physical touch sort of a thing or an embarrassment of having someone see our feet or smell our feet or whatever the case, the discomfort, the discomfort seems to be based on a, like a perception of hierarchy. Right. And, and that they view Jesus as their Lord and master and their, their Lord and master shouldn't be washing their feet. It should be the other way around right they they should be serving it's like an honor thing i think maybe yeah and and yeah and jesus is sort of flipping that flipping the script so to speak mm-hmm. yeah uh, we haven't do we have communion at that service as well we do we do Yep. In fact, I just pulled the sourdough starter out of the refrigerator this morning to get it uh, warmed up as Jessica and I will bake the loaf that is used for, um, at least for the the breaking of the bread, as we say the words of institution. I think we'll still be doing communion in the little packets that we've been using. Um, session needs to meet and decide whether how we want to continue to do communion as a family of faith with respect to health and safety. So For the time being, we stick with that. Uh, Andy Barrows, uh, who's a member of our church and bakes our communion bread, has offered to bake the bread and cube it and put it in the little bags for us, which is a very kind offer for Andy. So I do wonder um, if what our attendance will be like. Our Ash Wednesday service this uh, Lent had the highest attendance we've had in an Ash Wednesday service in the time that I've been here. Um, I'm curious if we'll have uh, that kind of attendance here or if that was just a fluke, but uh, we'll, I guess we'll wait and see. I know the choir will be there. Uh, they've got uh, a beautiful anthem planned, and then they've also got a song that they sing while the line goes through the foot washing, which is really beautiful as well. So um, just an invitation to everybody out there to join us. Um, if you don't want to have your feet washed or wash other people's feet, that's fine. You can still be part of this service, and we hope you can join us for it as it's a very, I think, a very meaningful service and an important part of Holy Week. We can't skip straight from Palm Sunday to Easter Sunday. There's some work we've got to do in between. 
Yeah, I would say it's not an important part of Holy Week. It's a critical component of the Christian story. Uh, so that's that's Thursday, uh, and we take it. We put a focus on that on Monday, the commandment, the double love command uh, that that Jesus offers to his disciples. And then we we flip over to Good Friday, and uh, Good Friday we read. Uh, we don't read sixteen scripture readings. Uh, I think we read ten, um, and maybe nine. And there's nine. I think there's nine scripture readings uh, from different different gospels. Uh, I think we probably read out of all four of the gospels at some point and sort of cover the the events of holy week uh, we get <laughs> we get jesus to the cross is what we do on good friday um we tend to not do a lot of places we'll do like a last seven words of jesus um reading we'd omit that because uh, i think i kind of want to put an emphasis on the things that that lead to the cross uh, and I think that those are things that we continue to struggle with um, and face uh, in our own lives and in the world around us. But uh, one of the scriptures that I've, I've picked out for us to talk about comes from Mark 14, verses 32 through 41. And it reads something like this. They went to a place called Gethsemane. And Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took with him Peter and James and John and began to be distressed and agitated. And he said to them, I am deeply grieved even to death. Remain here and keep awake. And going a little farther, he threw himself on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. He said, Abba, Father, for you all things are possible. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I want, but what you want. He came and found them sleeping. And he said, to, he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not keep awake one hour? Keep awake and pray that you may not come into the time of trial. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again, he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And once more, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were very heavy. And they did not know what to say him say to him. He came a third time and said to them, are you still sleeping and taking your rest? Enough. The hour has come. The son of man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. And that's uh, where that story reads as well. I don't know what, did you hear that vehicle that just drove by? Yep. I didn't catch a look at it, but it sounded impressive. Yeah, it's uh, this is a very living scripture for me and and for those pilgrims that joined me in uh, Israel Palestine two and a half years ago because um, we went and prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane uh, and in fact uh, there is an olive tree in that garden which uh, is dated to more than two thousand years old and so there's a very good chance that we prayed in the shadow of an olive tree that is this very same tree that Jesus prayed under 
at that moment. And that Garden of Gethsemane is in a valley between um, the Mount of Olives and the, the east gate of Jerusalem, of the walled city. And so um, I showed a picture of that in the sermon last or yesterday um, of the, the group standing on the Mount of Olives looking across the Valley of Gethsemane to the walled city of Jerusalem. And it's a very steep valley. You go down a very steep hill and then you're down in the valley and there's the Garden of Gethsemane. They've built a church on the side of that garden, but there's a courtyard in the church, which is that garden with that olive tree. And so being in that physical space is a powerful thing to think that Jesus was likely in the same exact physical space and perhaps even in the shadow of the same tree. Um, and, and then this interplay, this interaction between Peter and his disciples um, is, is interesting. Uh, I think about the times that I've been so tired that I just couldn't keep my eyes open. And uh, if they knew the import of what was going on, would they have been able to, to stay awake with him or? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, th and, um, I know I've mentioned this before on this, but there's a, a line from a, a Corby Linker song. That's the, the world is full of people who are half asleep. And and I oftentimes think about that um, as it relates to faith. I, how often am I? And the difference between being someplace and being really present to it uh, and, and being in a worship service and being really present to a worship service and being in the presence of God, being in, yeah, being in the presence of God and, and really being open to awake to the presence of God um, are different things. And the, the motions of faith or of a Christian life um, can be lived without meaning sometimes. And yeah, I, I find in this passage an encouragement to, to be really present which is tiring, honestly. <laughs> it, it can wear you out to be, to be really, truly present um, to someone or to something. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what else to say about that one, but... I I think just, again, extending an invitation for people to be fully present during this Holy Week, right? Um, and if possible, join us for these services, which allow us to really, as best we can, transport ourselves um, mentally and, and spiritually and emotionally into the space uh, between Palm Sunday and, and Easter Sunday. Um, and, and that's an important part of this journey, an important part of our faith journey. To truly understand the glory of the resurrection, we've got to spend some time in the in the depths of uh, Jesus' suffering, mm -hmm. um, and and what he went through, and the lessons that he taught, even in the midst of of that, even when he knew what was happening and what was coming next, um, that he was still trying to teach a message of love um, and a message of of and 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 also I appreciate that what I perceive to be the 
the humanity of Jesus. We acknowledge as Orthodox Christians that Jesus is both fully human and fully divine. And some of Jesus' full humanity is on display in this passage where he throws himself on the ground and prays, if it were possible that the hour might pass from him, God, all things are possible through you. Please remove this cup from me. Yet, if that can't happen, I'll do it. Um, and then his frustration and his disciples for not being able to stay awake with him and just how human that is. And we've all had friends who have let us down. Uh, we've all had friends who have, who have not been able to, to accompany us when we've needed it. Um, and Jesus is feeling that acutely in this particular moment. And he expresses that. And it gives me some, I don't know, some peace knowing that Jesus has suffered the same way that I've suffered and has experienced the same things that I've experienced. Yeah. And I think that the, the idea that they are, they're sleeping through his, his moment of anguish uh, is, is an important thing. And he said, we are called to be awake for, for one another's moments of anguish. Um, and, and to, and to see those moments. So, uh, so, but both of these services uh, start at uh, seven o'clock Thursday. And then on Friday, both of them are in the sanctuary. Um, Yeah. Both will also be streamed on Facebook live if you're not available to be with us in person. Um, and as we've done for the last two years, if, uh, if you're streaming our Monday Thursday service, you are welcome to uh, uh, have communion elements ready and to partake with us virtually or remotely. Um, so, and if you're streaming the Monday Thursday service with other people, have, have a bucket of water ready and a towel and a basin. Um, yeah. And, and wash some feet. Mm-hmm. So, well, this sounds like us uh, kind of kind of changing gears. Indeed, it's going to be a good week this week. We continue so. that process. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, uh, as we've said, Holy Week. Uh, join us Thursday at seven p.m. in the sanctuary. Friday at seven p.m. in the sanctuary, and then uh, Saturday we're doing a United Harvest food distribution in the Peace Center parking lot. And I said this on Sunday, but I think there's no better way to spend uh, Holy Saturday, the the time between Jesus' crucifixion and uh, his resurrection. Uh, We can serve others at that time. And so uh, we invite you to join us as a volunteer on Saturday in the Peace Center parking lot to help us distribute food to our neighbors in need. And then uh, we wake up Sunday morning and it is Easter. And uh, we're not doing any sunrise service this year. We're going to do two identical services, one at 8.30. One at, they won't be identical. And one at 10.30 because uh, they're being run by humans and human beings uh, can't repeat the same thing. <laughs> but uh, yeah, join us on Sunday morning at 8.30 or 10.30 for a worship service that will include our choir and uh, our handbells and a brass quintet. And of course, the lovely tradition of this church of singing the Hallelujah Chorus from Handel's Messiah. Uh, We'll be doing that at both services. The 1030 service will also be streamed live uh, on Facebook and also on the radio and whatnot. So we do hope you'll be able to join us uh, throughout Holy Week. And we hope to see you 
and worship with you and uh, reflect on the events of, of Christ with you. So that's, that's what's going on with Holy Week. What's going on in the world of Christian Ed, Damon? Well, since it is Easter, we, uh, there's no, there's no Christian Ed on Sunday, this coming Sunday. Uh, Wednesday Night Live, however, continues as it normally would. So have Wednesday Night Live activities this week on Wednesday, just, just like normal. Sunday morning, there's no forum. Uh, there's no Sunday school uh, for all ages. Dan Deffenbaugh just wrapped up his forum series that he was leading, taking a look at uh, Passion Week and uh, Holy Week narratives. Uh, I'm in the process of getting the last of those sessions um, processed and um, put, um, put up on our YouTube page so, so folks can find those there. The next Sunday, the Sunday after Easter, uh, which would be April 24th, uh, Dr. Dorothy Dean, who's a religion professor at Hastings College, is going to do, uh, she's going to do a, a three-part forum series on eco-theology. So taking a look at some of the ways that um, ecology and theology intersect, inform one another, how our understanding of certain theological concepts might inform our understanding of the natural world and vice versa. And the first of those sessions, uh, again on April 24th, is Ecofeminist Theology. And then she's going to lead a session on May 1st titled Theology and Animals. And then her final session on May 8th is Christianity and the Climate Crisis. So three uh, very relevant, very interesting forums, I think, for, uh, for folks to look forward to. And those start not Easter Sunday, but the week after Easter. I hope the theology and the animals does not lead to us not doing our blessing of the pet service. Well, maybe it'll lead to us doing one every week. Or inviting our critters to join us in worship on Sundays, perhaps. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So who knows? So. Uh, well, is it time for a, for a closing prayer? It is. And I'm going to go ahead and read our closing prayer uh, from the Lenten devotional guide. This one is uh, scheduled for Wednesday, April 13th. And so let us, uh, let us pray. I thank you, O oh God, for the moments when you have helped to turn my tears into laughter. I offer my praise for the times when you have provided hope amid my devastations. For you, O oh God, sin is not the final word. Through the life, death, and resurrection of your Son, you provide salvation and hope beyond measure. Thank you, O oh God, for these things. Amen. Amen. Well, then, with all those things said and done, until next time, toodaloo. Thank you.